0: Praise the Lord! Give the Lord a hand clap. Welcome, welcome, welcome! Hallelujah! This is week two of a sermon series that I have been working on for several months, and it's called "That Church." Amen. Yeah, I'm excited. This is uh, this is week two. There's going to be four installments of it, and, and the idea is church ought to operate like a family. and we're we ought to have family components that are constantly being reintroduced uh, to to us so that we understand that that we are a collective body and we're stronger together than we ever are apart we're just kind of reclaim some of what was lost the last couple of years out of people's existence and out of the church's life and and so uh, we are uh, that church and there's a lot the idea behind the, the sermon series name is that there's a lot of ideas floating around Especially in the day and age we live in about what church actually is And there's a lot of strong opinions about church And there's a lot of strong opinions about church folk Come on now uh, there, There's a lot of strong opinions in the world today about what church is and, and when you ask people, especially people that aren't closely associated with church They have some strong words to describe us, Amen and so we wanted to set the record straight. When you hear something like, oh, you go to that church, we want to set the record straight and say, yes, indeed, I do. I go to that church. I, I, I am, in fact, a member of that church. Whatever it is that you've heard, we're, go- we're just going to twist it and we're going we're to reclaim it. And, and we are a little bit, we learned last week, we are a little bit abnormal. Somebody say Amen. We're not what you expect when you come to church. Uh, when, when people have had experiences in churches before, this is typically not what it is that they're looking to experience when they come to church. So we are, in fact, that church. And we are a family, and, and because we're a family, uh, once a month we have an opportunity for people to join our family, actually become family members or church members. And So this morning, before I get started preaching I want to welcome uh, the last few months of our newest members that have joined us. Here are the names. We've got, uh, uh, we've got Lori and Karen and Frida and Doug and Emily, and these are all new members to Promise of Victory. Give them a hand clap. And then we've got the DeMarcos, Jim and Sherry, and Kaylee and, and Manny Ball, Emmanuel, but we call him Manny. And they are transfers. That's, uh, uh, the, 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 the DeMarcos have transferred in from Tri-State, and the Balls have come to us from New Martinsville, but they've moved to uh, Pittsburgh, and they have transferred in from the New Martinsville, or Refuge Church of God. And so these are our newest family members. Let's give them all a welcome and a big how you do. Amen. How you do? Amen. We, if this was in the South, we'd have chicken dinner afterwards, and everybody would have greasy fingers when you went home. Praise the Lord. So we are abnormal. I told you last week that the church needed some troublemakers. Did anybody go out and cause trouble this week? Now, the right kind of trouble, we're causing the devil some trouble. Come on now. If you're causing the other kind of trouble, don't be wearing your Povkod gear when you're out there, all right? But we do want to make trouble for the devil every chance we get. Somebody say amen. And that's what they were doing last week. The church was meeting in a house and they were praying for Peter to get out of prison. And sometimes when you're not even in the room, you can affect what happens in the room because you're causing trouble for the devil when you are on your knees and taking your petitions to God. Somebody knows how to use prayer as a troublemaker for the gates of hell. Amen. So today I'm going to take my text from the same book, the book of Acts. This morning we're going to be in chapter 3. This is a story that I have preached countless times in my 25 years of ministry. However, I've never preached it quite like I'm going to preach it this morning. I'm going to talk about a a story that most of you are familiar with, if not everybody in this room. And uh, many of you who have been with us for any length of time, you've actually heard me break this story down before. But you've never heard it quite like this from me because I've never preached it quite like this. So Acts chapter 3, and we're going to begin with... Verse 1, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning in honor of the Word of God, if you don't mind. And it'll be the last time that I uh, ask you to stand up until I'm done. Uh, you can stand up anytime you want to, but it'll be the last time I ask you to stand up. Amen. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together. Say together. Together is a good family word. Together is a good church word. They went up together. And Where were they going? To church. It's good when the family goes to church they went up together to the temple and this is when they went at the hour of prayer the ninth hour and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple which is called beautiful to ask alms of those who entered the temple what's he doing he's asking for a handout he's looking for somebody to bless him he who's seeing Peter and John about to go into the church Asked them for money. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. I want you to earmark that. Make a big bold outline in your Bible if you've got one. Expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him, and he took him, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Now, I don't want to get too deep into my sermon already, but I just want you to emphasize a point to you. A man who was on his, uh, in the road to the church, who was lame his whole life, encountered a power and a presence he was not looking for and his entire destiny was changed and he he was lame when the story begins and at the end of this story he is walking and leaping and praising God if that's not a story that ought to get your blood pumping this morning I don't know what is somebody who couldn't walk And I'm not even talking, in case you haven't figured it out yet, I'm not even talking about somebody being crippled in their legs. I'm talking about people on the road to the church house that is crippled in their spirit and crippled in their emotions and crippled in their prayer life and crippled with faith and crippled with unbelief and crippled with their sexuality and crippled with all kinds of demons and monsters that hide under their bed. And they're waiting in the pathway to the church, but they encounter something that turns their whole life around. And they leave that place walking and leaping and praising God. That gets a preacher excited this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I pray this morning because you are a good God that you would bless us this morning with the ability to hear what your Spirit wants us to receive. God, hide me behind your cross. Enable me to hear exactly what it is that you are speaking to your people and give them ears and spirits and hearts to receive it this morning so that we leave differently than we came in. Let someone who came in lame this morning leave walking and leaping and praising your holy name in this house. And we all say, amen. amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated in his presence. So let me break this story down for you, and I will continue to do so as I preach this morning. First of all, let me say that just a few days prior to this, everything in the world, in their world, had changed. The Holy Spirit had descended. It it filled everybody in the upper room. The Bible says there was 120 in the upper room, and the Bible fa- says that the Spirit fell on them, and they didn't stay in the upper room. They spilled out into the streets. The Bible says that people thought they were drunk, walking around, uh, acting like drunk folks in the middle of the day. And, and, and here they're, they're full of the power of God. Amen. And, and we have a tendency to read the Bible like it's revisionist history. In other words, what I mean is this is 2022, which is roughly 2022 years after what we're reading about. And we know the story. We know how it begins. We know all the characters. We know all the details. And we know how it turns out. And because of our respect for the author and because we know uh, the details of our Western culture and how... We vary so much in this land from this land of the Bible. We, we tend to think of the people when we read about them like they had superpowers or, or like they had some sort of access to a magic potion with God that you and I don't have. But I want to begin this morning by telling you the truth is these were very ordinary people. As a matter of fact, they had a lot less training than you do they were the beginning of the church they'd never been to a seminar they didn't have 24-hour access to YouTube where you can hear preachers from around the globe going back 200 years of recorded history they didn't have the Bible they didn't have churches to gather in as often as you've had them you've had church available to you your entire life these people are trying to figure out how to be a church we got folks today trying to avoid being the church And the truth is, these ordinary people had families, they had bills to pay, they had uh, mortgages on their homes, They, they, they had to suffer through funerals when they lost people that they loved, they had sick family members, some of them knew what it felt like to lose jobs. I mean, these people went through the same thing you and I do, dare I say, many of them even knew what it felt like to wake up in the morning and wonder, is this even worth it? Is, it, is this God thing even working out for me? Is my prayers even reaching heaven? I, I dare say that they understood more than you and I do how, how dangerous it could be to try to be, call yourself a Christian in a world hostile to Christianity. So, so when we look at the early church, I've been, in, I've been in Pentecost my whole life on and off. And when we look at the early church, We have some cliches we like to throw around in Pentecost. And one of those cliches that I have heard many, many, many times is, Oh, I wish we'd have that old-time religion. We don't have today what the church back then had. And I used to say that too. Because sometimes you just become a parrot for Jesus. You just repeat what you hear somebody else squawking. Y'all not going to help me. And I've said it from the pulpit. You know, we, oh, we need to get back to the old time ways and we need to return to the old paths and we don't have what the old church had. But then I read my Bible. And I realized not only do we have what they had, we've got exactly what they had. Because the same thing that caused them to receive miracles is still alive today. We have the exact same Jesus Christ because the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same Jesus that saved them is the same Jesus that set me free. Not only that, but the same word that they were operating on is the same word that I operate on today. When they heard that Jesus Christ is a healer, it's the same message I have received. So I have the same Lord, I have the same word, and I've got the same blessed Holy Ghost. He changeth not from everlasting to everlasting. His spirit endures forever. So everything they had, I have. Everything they had, you have. So what changed? If we don't have in the church what they had, it's not because it's not available. The better question is, what did they do that we no longer do? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. If I had a secondary title for this message, it would be, why do you even come? I know some of us come to church for different reasons. Some folks come out of habit. Some people come out of ritual. Some people come because, you know, that's what good Christian folks are supposed to do on Sundays. And and there's all kinds of reasons why people come to church. But my question to you this morning is, why do you come? Some people say, well, I know why you're here, Pastor. It's your job. Yeah, but I could get another job. I'm not without talent and skills. I could go out and find another position. I, I was coming to church before I was standing in pulpits. Before I'd ever preached a message, I came to church faithfully. Before I ever preached uh, my first sermon, I was serving in the church. Why do you come to church? As a matter of fact, why don't you just look at a neighbor and ask him, why are you here? Well, just just uh huh. I want to introduce you this morning to our theme. If we're going to be that church, and I know some of y'all are flirting, because you, so, you look at them and say, why are you here? And he said, because you sweet thing. I know what's going on out there. No matter why you're there, no matter why you're here, I'm just glad you're here in the name of Jesus. So 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 they were totally ordinary people who got extraordinary results. And and, and what if I were to tell you that what separates us from them is that we are satisfied being normal. The early church was not satisfied unless they were seeing the abnormal. Now last week I told you that we're abnormal because we need some troublemakers. This week I'm going to tell you that we are abnormal because we believe what the early church believed. That church folk ought to be just a little bit crazy. I thought I might get a shout right there. All my crazy people say amen. Just, uh, do I got any crazy Christians in the room? Yeah, 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 yeah. See, see, see. Today we're gonna we're gonna reclaim one of those words that most churches don't want to be called. See, see, when when you go out and you say to somebody, "Oh, I go to Promise of Victory," they're gonna say, "Oh, you go to that church." And what they mean is, oh, you go to that crazy church. I heard that preacher sweats, and he spits, and he runs all over the house. And I've heard that people cry in the middle of service, and they run to the front. Oh, you go to that crazy church. And I want you to come uh, with your that church shirt on and bury your ankle bones down underneath you, stick your chest out, and proudly proclaim, that's right, I go to that crazy church. We are just a little bit crazy. But see, I want to tell you what crazy really means. Because some people, when they say, oh, you go to that crazy church, what they mean? (laughs) (laughs) They mean something different than what the definition of crazy is. Because what does it mean for a church to call itself crazy? Well, I went to the dictionary to help you out. The definition of crazy. I love it. Number one, full of cracks and flaws number two somebody who is crazy is distracted with desire or excitement how do you define that they are absurdly fond and infatuated passionately preoccupied or obsessed and the third definition is Crazy people go to an extreme degree. Is there any crazy people in the house this morning? So let me put that into my definition for you. When you put all those definitions together, here's what a crazy church is. A crazy church is nothing more than people who know they are cracked and have flaws There's nothing special about them, but that doesn't let them prevent them from doing tremendous things for God. Why? Because instead of focusing on their shortcomings, they are distracted with desire and excitement for the kingdom. They are absurdly infatuated with this man named Jesus and obsessed to an extreme degree to make the world more like heaven. So when somebody says, oh, you go to that crazy church, absolutely, we're that church. We're that crazy church who is wildly infatuated and obsessed with pulling heaven down to this earth and seeing his kingdom come. Because the truth is, we don't have to be incredibly skilled. We don't have to have a whole lot of Bible college training. All we got to do is be a little crazy. Crazy. And we can make a difference in the world. Amen. What if I told you that you can use what God has already gifted you with to do incredible things? Crazy things. Uh I'm going to give you about seven different people that I find in this scripture or traits of people. Seven different traits of crazy people that God will use. And let me see if I find anyone in the room that identifies this morning. Number one, the ordinary people God uses for crazy results are people who are crazy reliable. Y'all just go home and work on that one. Because I know some of y'all don't got no clock. People who are crazy reliable. Pay attention to the story. It's three o'clock And Peter and John are on their way to pray. Jews in those days prayed on the hour. They didn't wait until a more convenient time. At 12 o'clock, they prayed. 9 a.m., they prayed. 3 p.m., they prayed. 6 p.m., they prayed. It's 3 o'clock. They may have been in the middle of something else, but they were doing the right thing at the right time. See, reliability is becoming a very rare trait these days. People don't want to do what they're supposed to do. They want to work their own hours. They want to follow whatever rules and whatever laws they feel like, and they don't want to make any commitments. Being reliable is a ministry. Being faithful is a ministry. If you don't believe me, and I can tell by my sparse claps and amens that you did not, people say all the time crazy stuff. Crazy stuff like, I want the Lord to use me. Really? Really? Did you know that we've been looking for nursery workers for like 19 years? <laughs> oh, I just want to be used of the Lord. Really? Because the cleaners have been begging for help for like 20 years in this place. Hello? See, reliability is just the act in the ministry of showing up. And when people say, I want the Lord to use me, what they really mean is, I want the Lord to do something really big and do it through me as long as I don't have to do a whole lot of the work. But but being willing to do the right thing every single day is often the difference between ordinary and crazy. Let me explain something to you. The ministry of showing up is sometimes all it takes for the Lord to do crazy things in your life. You never know what's going to happen in your marriage just by you doing what you're supposed to do. Just by you showing up every day and keeping your temper and keeping the peace and not saying what's on your mind just because it comes across your cranium doesn't mean it should come across your gums. You never know what the Lord will do in your uh, every day, your, your life, your existence, on your job. You never know how close you are to your healing. Just by you doing the right thing every day, I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep coming to church. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep doing the right things. Obey God, do right things, and you'll see crazy results. In other words, if it's important to God, it should be important to you. Here's what crazy people understand. I got to do crazy stuff like work hard, do my best, love God. Love other folks. Take care of my family. Go to church. Read read the Word. Pray. Listen to the preacher. Try to apply what it says. Doing the right thing sounds crazy in this world today because everybody's all about feelings now. If I feel like it, I'll do it. If I don't feel like it, I won't. The reason the early church was crazy was because in today's society, doing the right thing stands out. It makes you abnormal. When folks say, "Oh you want to go out and get tore up tonight no I don't do that no more because that was the old me but the, B, the, the, the that was the BC me the the new and improved version of me the new creature of me I don't live like that because i got I got this man named Jesus y'all ought to meet him sometime because he just revolutionized my life and turned my life around what do you mean you can't you can't go to church and do this oh you got so churchy did you get religion no, I didn't get no religion I got a man named Jesus who knew who I was and loved me anyway and pulled me up out of that turned my life around and set me on a different path. So, so, so that's that's the first crazy folk I'm looking for. The next one is people that have crazy responsibilities. Bible says in verse five that this brother was sitting at the gate expecting to receive. Uh huh. All around the world today, and probably in this room this morning in a crowd this size, there are people searching for what's hurting them, and they want the answer. There are folks everywhere looking for answers to life's hard questions. And they hear so many voices out there, and none of them are pointing them toward heaven. None of them are pointing them toward God. So when they come to church, they're expecting to receive something. And the problem we have and the reason we're not crazy anymore is because you think I have all the answers. So you bring them to church or you invite them to church so they can hear what I'm saying. I appreciate the fact you've got that much confidence in me, but what you are missing and the reason you ain't crazy enough is because the responsibility don't lie here. The responsibility lies here, there, up there, over yonder, and all around. We all have a responsibility. Because we're all carriers of the truth. In a world full of crazy political fights and crazy economics up and down and inflation this and inflation that, we got crazy society and we got a crazy media influence. We got crazy anxiety and crazy fear and crazy depression being pumped into us constantly. What the world needs is an abnormal church that understands that our mission is to have crazy answers for the people that are coming to the house and coming to your house and asking for help. We have a responsibility. Number three, people who have a crazy concern for others. It's not good enough that you have the answer. you got to love folks enough to tell them that you know. Peter and John were going to church, and they got stopped in the parking lot. His brother asked them for some money. On their way to where? They're going to church to do what? So they're going to prayer meeting down to church, probably to pray for the sick to be healed. And this brother yells out and says, hey, can you help me? And some of us would have said, I don't have time to be bothered right now. I'm going to the church to pray for people like you. I'm going to the church house so I can pray that the Lord would start healing the folks that can't walk. I don't have time to stop and talk to the folks that can't walk. Because I'm busy and I've got to be somewhere. You ever meet somebody who calls themselves a Christian but they just don't like people? Are you one of them people <sighs> that say you love the Lord and you love Jesus, but his children get on your last nerve? <laughs> Listen, have you ever met somebody that don't have nowhere to be and you're trying to get somewhere and they see you and they ain't seen you in a minute and they just want to chit-chat? Hey, man, it looked like you had a great vacation three years ago. Let me see them pictures. Well, I'm on my way to a meeting right now to make sure that I can put bread on the table. But uh, sure, let me just stand around and do nothing since you have nowhere to go. See, when somebody don't have nowhere to be, they don't understand the urgency of somebody that's on a mission. Peter and John were on a mission. However, they had concern for this crippled brother. Did Peter and John have somewhere to be? Absolutely. Did they have something to do? Without a doubt. Did they have prior plans? Yes, they did. But God will do crazy things with people who love people. It is quiet in this mortuary. Let me break it to you down like this. Jesus died for people. All the programs and the policies and the procedures that we get so busy with and all of the formalities that we get so caught up in today, one day they will be gone. But the souls of people are eternal, and that's what God cares about. They could have very easily said, we'd love to help you, but right now we're very important and we need to get up to the prayer meeting because they're waiting on us to start. We're going to go up there and pray for people like you to get healed. And that's what a lot of us do. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw the ball into your court. Because a lot of you do it because you blame it on me. Because you say, oh, well, the pastor should come and pray for these people. How do I know? Because you don't go to the hospital. You expect me to do it all. Do you see all these people in this room? (laughs) Do you know that they all got 15, 20 people attached to them? You think I can go see everybody? If I was a doctor, I wouldn't spend that much time at the hospital. Not to mention he never canned up all of that in one or two or three people in a community. He put it in every single one of you believers and said, You, 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 and you take it out and give it away. Why the church ain't crazy anymore is because we think there's only one crazy person, and I'm him. In a world that is becoming increasingly self-centered and discontented, we need some believers who will act crazy. Now remember the definition of crazy, distracted with desire or excitement. Anybody excited about Jesus anymore? Like what Jesus is doing in your life, or the possibility of what He's going to do today? Do you ever just, or do you just walk around with that spirit of Eeyore on you all the time? Oh, woe is me! Uh, if things don't get better, I'm just going to cash in all my chips. Is that you, or do you get up every day and say, "I don't know what God's got in store for me today, but something good is bound to happen because I got a good, 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 good God." See, 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 what would have happened to this brother if Peter and John would look at him and says, my gosh, every time we come to church, we have to do everything. Ooh. Ooh, it got quiet in here. What would happen if Peter and John would have said, every time we come to church, we have to pray? Or what if they would have said, every time we come to church, that's the same person in that altar every time. Why don't they get their stuff together? What would have happened if Peter and John had that kind of attitude that some of us have? Besides, wait a minute, wasn't you the same person that was asking the Lord, Lord, please use me? And then when you've had the opportunity to be used, you... let me tell you that every church has, because I'm old and cantankerous and just tell the truth now. Every church has two different kinds of people, servants and critics. Oh, and it's not exclusive to the church. Your job has the same two people. The PTA has the same two people. Your kids' little league team has the same parents. The servants and the critics. Both the servant and the critic both see the same problem. If you're in the church, you see the same problem as the critic. The difference is the critic gets attention. The servant gets busy. Guess which one the Lord is going to do crazy things through? Uh huh. See, see, the critic won't. The critic doesn't always come to church, and they don't ever serve at church. But they always bring some folks with them. You want to know who they bring to church? I'm glad you asked. Well, they always bring the sister preference with them. I wish they'd sing them other songs. Why do I have to park so far away? Oh, and they also bring brother opinion with them. I remember when the preacher used to dress this way, and I remember when he used to preach like that, and I remember when he used to sweat, and I remember when he used to run the aisles, and I I liked it better when. Oh, and they also bring their cousin selective memories. Because these are the people who complain about the songs but they forget that they were asked to join a praise team. They complain about the condition of the bathroom, but they conveniently forget that the cleaners are always asking for help. They, they, They forget when they come to the altar to pray, they get upset that nobody prays with them, but they forget all the times they snuck out the back when the altar was full and everybody else was needing prayer and they didn't come help pray for anybody. Because their cousins, selective memories, are sitting beside them. Not long ago, we had a Sunday night service. And I like to give my flowers while they're living. It was pouring down the rain when service let out. We had a super Sunday. It was a night service, and it was pouring. And some of the ushers was outside holding umbrellas for you people. Standing there when service was over. They'd been here twice. It'd been a long day. Some of them had to get up early and go to work. They were tired, but they were serving. That one act could make some crazy outcomes in somebody's life because that might be the only time anybody's ever been served at a church before. And it wasn't anything big. It was something insignificant, but it could have powerful results. Let me ask you a question. If everybody put into every service as much work as you do, what would the service look like? If everybody if all the witnessing that got done in the whole world was equal to your witnessing how much is getting done in the world today? I'm going to move on because you're mad at me now. Number five uh, people are... number four people who are crazy inspirational people like to be around folks that make them feel good listen, listen people who smile there's a ministry of smiling Look at your neighbor and just do some ministry real quick. Just just do do some evangelistic work. Yeah. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. I have a problem. Listen, I am not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you. I have a problem. I have a resting Grinch face. I just look mad all the time. I'm not mad all the time. I feel pretty good most of the time. But everybody looks at me and says, what you mad for? I don't know what happened. Because I feel good. I just don't know how to notify my face all the time. Because when I let my face go, it just droops. <laughs> you got somebody like Sarah, she just smiling all the time. Her teeth ain't never not covered up. Like she, I bet she sleeps like this. Like I thought a while back, I thought a while back, you probably got to sleep with some of them blinds, some of them covers over your eyes because your room's so bright, from your teeth shining. Because she doesn't never, she never don't smile. I don't ever smile, she never stops. So somewhere in between us, you fall. Okay, so, so people like to be around people who motivate them. So when you walk into a room, when you, if, you, if you really want to know if you're an inspiration, when you walk into a room, ask this question. Did I walk in looking for somebody to say something to me, to inspire me, or to help me, or did I walk into the room to help somebody else? Because people that are inspirational walk into that room wanting to make a difference in the room, not to be have something given to them. So, 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 so just look at your neighbor and say, you're going to be glad you sat here today. Yeah, I'm, I'm about to inspire you, something else. Woo! And speaking of that, We've got a, a testimony from one of our families. Uh, we've been asking families each week to share uh, with us about what that church has meant to their family. And one of the most inspirational couples that I know is about to testify this morning.
1: I like to think that being part of the Promise of Victory Church of God has been pivotal for me because I was born and raised in church. always had a good solid foundation. But it seemed like after I came to Promise of Victory and heard Pastor Mitchum preach, I really felt more engaged with the Word and felt like it helped connect all the dots. So for me, it was really the missing piece.
2: Um, Same with me. I I was, uh, I got away from attending church. And when Deb and I started seeing each other, I said, I'll go to church with you. And it was one of the best decisions I think the Lord had definitely guided me here and um, coming here every Sunday is first time I can honestly say that I really look forward to coming to church I mean I can just feel it inside of me and with pastor Mitchum and the praise team and the fellowship and seeing everybody that's so engaging in the word it is it just fulfills my life and and it's definitely where I'm supposed to be and uh,
1: yeah and, uh, and I think to dovetail on that, when I look at the blessing, I look at the blessing that Sam and I have been married here, so we were able to be part of that with with Pastor Mitchum, and just the sense of community. And I feel like, kudos to Pastor Mitchum, because I feel like one thing, he is relentless in the pursuit in trying to get people to understand the importance of God, the importance of church, the importance of community and really doing what he can
2: to put it in real terms, Yeah, like now.
1: exactly. Yeah. Well said, Sam, like to yeah. just make it real. It's biblical, but it's real. That's the blessing of this church.
2: And, um, and you know, religion can be fun and yeah, spirituality can be fun. And he makes it fun. The praise team makes it fun and the church. I've, I've never been involved with a church. I've been involved in two two past ch- churches, religious organization. But this church really has an outreach program and really does seem to care about the community. Mm-hmm. That's why they move. That's why we're where we're at.
1: Yeah, I do. I love the sense of community that's part of this church. And I think that's all thanks to Pastor Mitchum and Sister Amanda. They really spearheaded. They really truly live and breathe a sense of community. This is a wonderful place yeah. to be.
2: And for me, um, if I was an automobile, like you have to take your car into a shop every six months to keep it running, mm-hmm. you have to get the oil changed, the brakes. Well, this is my spiritual recharge. Yeah. You know, if I was an automobile, every Sunday, you have to come to church and you have to get that spiritual tune-up. Yeah. And promise the victory church of God. This is where you get your spiritual tune-up and unlike a car every 6 months you got to come here every sunday yeah and it, this is the first time that i can say that when i come here when i leave i do think about the word and just what i've heard through the praise team and the interaction with the with the congregation that it does keep me the whole week yeah and it does take work on our part but the foundation here and the strength of the word here I think is is phenomenal.
1: I agree. I think honestly, I think we're better people because we come to promise the victory. Yeah. And we and truly I, try to live what we learn here.
2: And I have it all. Well, God, but then heard his conduit. Deb Flewharty, That's why I'm here. We love you.
1: <laughs> yeah, we do. We We love this church.
0: By the way, if you know Sam I am, that's the most subdued you'll ever see him. He's usually he's usually blah, 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 a thousand miles an hour. She must have been standing there going, you talk slow. He's, he's, he's like Sarah, though. He's always smiling, always inspirational. Uh, and, and they weren't able to be with us this morning because they recently got married, and she's selling her house, and they had to pack their house up and, and get moved today. So that's why uh, they're not able to be here. But they were with us anyway. So a- amen, amen. Are you ready for the rest of this message? All right, you crazy people. Number six, or I'm sorry, number five, people who are crazy generous. Wow, not one amen. Well, let me help you, because some of y'all thought I was getting ready to pass the offering plate again. Peter looked at this man and said, such as I have. I ain't got time to dig into that, but that means you always got something. You've always God has not sent you out ill-equipped. He has given you, provided for you, something. He said, such as I have. See, crazy givers find a way to give just like takers find a way to take. Givers will give if they don't have a dime in their pocket because they'll send a card, they'll send a text, they'll provide a smile, they'll give a hug, they'll come over and offer to watch the baby so you can catch your breath for an hour. They'll give something. There's two kinds of people in your life. Just like there's two kinds of people in a church, there's two kinds of people in your life. Here are the two kinds of people. There are those who lift. The Bible says Peter reached down, grabbed him by the hand, and lifted him. There are people who lift, and there are people who lean. Know the difference because one of them picks you up. The other one requires you to prop them up. And they're exhausting. Because you have to always provide strength for them to stand. Because you have to hold them. Lifters hold you. And if you want to love the world like Jesus loved the world, you're going to have to get crazy and go beyond where you're comfortable. That's why I can't ever uh, get in this pulpit and not tell you that Jesus don't see things the way we see things. That—that's what. Listen, listen to me. It, it's nuts to me for people to say things like, well, I want to go to a white church or I want to go to a black church. Are you out of your mind? Why in the world wouldn't you want every flavor under the sun in the church? That makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Are you going to not like heaven? Because the Bible tells me every nation and every tongue is up there and they're all mixed together, everybody worshiping the same God around the same throne. Are you out of your mind? I want to practice right now for what I'm going to be experiencing up there. But I hear people say things all the time like, well, I want to go. When they say that church, some people mean I want to go to that white church. I want to go to that black church. I want to go to that church where everybody looks the same and there's the same economic status and the same side of the railroad tracks and everybody's got the same income and everybody votes the same way. No, 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 no. I want to go to that church where we're all mixed together and we're all messed up and we're all trying to find our way and we all love Jesus and we're all heading to heaven and we're all loving one another and we're all madly in love with him. That's the church that I want to go to. Amen. And number six, and this is where I'm going to spend uh, most of my time until the end. People who have crazy faith. God always works through people. When he sent a flood, he asked a man to build a boat. It had never rained before. When he got ready to bring down the walls of Jericho, he used a man named Joshua to lead people to do nothing except walk around the wall with their mouths shut. He always uses people. When he got ready to bring his people out of slavery, he used a man named Moses. And all he gave him to fight with was a stick and made frogs come up. Crazy stuff. But he always uses a person when he's getting ready to do something. Can you imagine coming home from work one day and your neighbor is outside in their yard building a big old boat? You'd think that was crazy. Come on now. Most of the heroes in the Bible, if they was your friend and they told you what God said, and they told you what they're fitting to do, you'd say, I'm going to pray for you because you have surely lost your mind. Well, can I tell you this morning, welcome to Crazy Church. Because we take God at his word here. And if God says you can be healed, then bless God, you can be healed. If God says that you can be delivered, I don't believe the devil has invented a bondage of chains that can hold you down. When Jesus' blood is applied, there is nothing that cannot be and will not be happening in your life. Can I tell you that we're crazy around here? Because we take God at his word. As crazy as it sounds and as crazy as it is, we're just going to believe that you can't be held back by any power or any demonic presence because God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you act. We're crazy like that. And, and, and it's times it like, like this text that I read to you that you need to realize because the Bible says they were on their way to the temple. Hello? Uh, that means they hadn't got to church yet. We're not told a lot about this brother except he was crippled his whole life. We don't know whether he's a Jew or not. We don't know what nationality is. We don't know. We know he's poor and we know he's crippled. And we know that he would not have been allowed in church because in these days, unclean people, people with physical abnormalities wouldn't have been allowed in church. That means that Jesus got to him even though he never made it to service. See, this is where you got to get a little bit crazy with me because this brother never made it inside the church, but Jesus found his way to them. He's not inside the church building, but Jesus made it to him and did and provided for him. See, people have this idea that the only way to be used is to stand in a pulpit, hold a microphone, and touch people with your words. But Jesus was able to touch this brother because some crazy believers did not believe that miracles are confined to a building on Sunday only. They took Jesus to the streets. See, see there are miracles that you can experience or miss just by doing average things every day you live. Some of you praying over your children will experience miracles just by doing diaper changes. Some of you wives and husbands will experience miracles just by saying prayers over them while you are folding their laundry. So Some of you would just experience miracles and you're not in the church and nobody is singing and nobody is preaching and you're just doing average, ordinary things. The Bible tells us that this brother was waiting for A handout. But he met stubborn, radical, crazy faith. Which leads me to this part that I've been looking forward to preaching all morning. Silver and gold have I none. But what I do have. See, most of us know very well what we don't have because we cry about it all the time. We post about it all the time. We share it all the time. But we really, really need to start focusing on what we do have because this brother needed a miracle and was asking for so much less. Peter said, I don't have what you're asking for but what I do have is going to so change your life you will never have to ask for this thing that you have been asking for for your whole life. He didn't even know to ask for what he needed, but Peter said, I've got something for you in the next. I ain't even said the name yet. He said, I've got something that's going to change your life in the name. See, when I get ready to say this name, demons are already trembling. When I get ready to say this name, mountains are getting ready to move. When I get ready to say this name, I can feel the enemy backing up. When I get ready to say this name, d- disease is fitting to run and jump out of a window. He said, I don't have what you're asking for, but what I have will so change your life. In the name of Jesus, the name where every other name will bow, the name above every other name, name. The name where sickness has to flee That name That name enables our last people that are crazy To do what they are called to do People who are crazy enough to try The Bible says in the name of Jesus Peter lifted this man Uh, Do you know how bold you got to be? An ordinary man named Peter did an extraordinary thing because he serves an extraordinary God. In fact, with all due respect, when I'm going through trouble, there are people I don't answer their phone when they call. Because there are people that I know are not crazy enough to try. They have the spirit of Eeyore and they are calling to rain on my parade. And if I feel bad now, Wait till they're done with me. And I don't need folks that's calling to knock me down. I need folks that's calling to lift me up who is willing to try, who knows that my God is able to, somebody that's crazy enough not to focus on what I have lost, but to focus on what I have left. He said, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I will give to you. I've got the answer. I've got the supply. See, See, some of you need to get up every day, and instead of complaining about what you don't have, you need to wake up and say, what I do have is enough. What I do have will get the job done. What I do have, his name is Jesus. Do you hear me, problem? What I do have is enough. Do you hear me, sickness? What I do have is enough. Do you hear me, depression? What I do have is enough. I don't have the right meds. I don't have the right job. I didn't get the right promotion, but what I do have is enough. Some of you don't need the counseling. You need the name. Some of you need to get up and just every day proclaim over your backslidden children, I don't have the direction to give them, but what I do have is enough. Some of you need to just look at your checkbook, and as crazy as it sounds, instead of complaining about what you don't have, say, I believe what I do have is enough. And it was during the hour of prayer, but what made the difference was he expected to receive something. He Expected to receive something. He expected. he expected. Did I read that right? He he was expect, He asked him because he, he asked him because he expected. One came. Be- so, 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 what I want to know is, because I know you're asking God for stuff. But before the asking has to be the expecting. What provided the crazy result was someone who was crazy with expectation. That even though he had never walked, he expected... Even though Peter... Wasn't asked the right question, he expected God to do see I just I just I just wonder I just I just wonder if anybody has ever realized you find exactly what you're looking for. I'm expecting God to give me a good day. When I start my day with prayer and rejoicing... And the Word, and I'm expecting that when I lay down at night, that my God is still good, that His truth endures forever, that I'm going to walk in mercy all the days of my life, His, his uh, that 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 mercy and compassion and long-suffering and, and and faithfulness and gentleness are going to guide me through the day. When I start my day like that, do you realize that it doesn't matter what I encounter, I'm having a good day? So when you see me and you say, how is your today going? I, I am blessed, and I'm not just lying to you, and I'm not playing you. I'm telling you that I'm blessed because I am blessed because I've been walking in the blessings of the Lord. But if I wake up every day and say, oh good Lord I don't know how much worse this life can get. I'll find exactly what I'm looking for. I'm not going to be popular here. That's okay. Ain't nobody going to take me out for dinner today. But I know that some of you sitting here You're sitting in the condition you're sitting because this, this is what you expected. They mad at me now. They're mad at me. They're mad at me. So I'm going to come down here because me and the Holy Ghost ain't afraid of none of you. Some of you are in the divorce you're in, the bankruptcy you're in the spiritual anemic state that you're in, the anger, the bitterness, the hatefulness that you're in, you're in it not because God don't love you and not even because the devil is attacking you. Oh, you mean the devil didn't do this to me? No, not everything. Some things are just what you expected. Oh, y'all don't like this. Y'all get quiet on me. I'm from the south. That's like saying sick them to a coon dog. You know that. Listen, some things are not the devil attacking me. it has been real easy for my wife to up here today and say, Well, the devil is in the, 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 the booth up here trying to knock the roof down for our praise and worship team. Can I tell you the devil didn't have nothing to do with that? That's a broke hinge on something that should have been took care of a long time ago. And if you keep going in and out of a door that's broke long enough, expect... Expect the roof to cave in at some point, and it ain't the devil's fault. If you don't ever buy new tires for your car, the devil didn't give you a flat. If you never change the oil, the devil didn't blow that engine up. That's your negligence. You ought to expected that to happen. Some of you are sitting here this morning in a condition, and you've been praying and begging and pleading with God to change something, to do something. And what he sent me here to do is to remind you that you are in this condition because this is what you expected to happen. You've shouted. You've danced. You fell out on the floor. You've plead blood. what do you expect? Because I've watched people do all those things. Walk right out the door and get right back into their depression. Get right back into their doldrums. And every time you talk to them, they expect the worst. What's coming out of their mouth doesn't match what was going into their ears when they were hearing the preacher preach. So what exactly are you expecting? and I want you to know you're not by yourself because we're family we go to that church we're we're crazy like that so I want to know if there's anybody in here that's crazy enough to not just expect for yourself but to be willing to lift your neighbor and look them in the eye and say I don't know what you're going through I don't know the battles you're in, and I don't know the fight that you're enduring. But I do know who holds you in his hand. And in the name that is above every other name, stand up. In the name that's above every other name, quit wallowing in self-pity. In the name that's above every other name, quit thinking that where you've been is where you're always going to be. In the name that's above every other name... Be healed, be whole, be resurrected, be lifted in the name of Jesus. Are there any people in the building crazy enough to lift a neighbor? Even though you don't feel it for yourself, you can feel it for somebody else. Is there any crazy believers in this house this morning? If there is, stand to your feet with me all over the building. Because I want to know if there's anybody that's connecting with this word. Well, I I got news for you. Because of what's about to happen, devils are upset. Sickness is trying to hide. Because they know what happens when folks get crazy. I want to know if there's any lifters in the house. I just, I, I just want to know if there's anybody in the house that's expecting. Come here, but come here, come here. Rachel. This is my daughter in law. She's my favorite daughter in law. And uh, she's carrying little Veda, my first grandbaby. And when they're in this condition, you know what they say she is? and it'd be kind of dumb for her not to be making some kind of preparation like she had to find a doctor they got to put a bed together first they had to find a room in the house they put paint on the walls they start buying little bibs and Papa Owl already started buying little stuffed animals why are we doing that because we're expecting and it ain't here yet I can see the evidence I can't see the fruit of it but I know something is going on I can't see what's exactly taking place but I believe that by this time in November I'm going to be holding the fruit of the labor because we're expecting just wonder if there's anybody in here crazy enough to say, I'm pregnant with expectation. I know my marriage hasn't been what I wanted to be, but I'm expecting things to turn around. I know my children have been lost for a long time, but I'm expecting things to turn around. I know I haven't always walked with Jesus the way I want to, but I want a closer walk with him. I'm expecting him to turn my heart and do great things with me. I wonder if there are any expectant people in the room? Are you expecting? What are you living in? You're living in what you're expecting. Do you want to change that? Do you want to change it? If you do, right now, right now, right now, if you want to change in your life, here's what I want you to do. I want you to find somebody else who's also expecting And I want you to gather with them, and I want you to lift one another. I want you to hold hands. If you're not comfortable holding hands, put your hand on their shoulder. If you're not comfortable doing that, just speak to them. I want you to find somebody else who is also expecting I want you to begin to lift each other. Don't you ask for a thing, but I want you to speak to God on their behalf and say, God, I lift them up to you right now. Wherever they are weak, I want you to make them strong. Wherever they're deficient, I want you to bring strength. Wherever they are fighting, I want you to bring them a victory. Will you do that? Will you find somebody right where you are? and begin to speak life into them begin to lift begin to have expectation that God is going to do something great in their life my God in heaven all over this room Jesus Jesus lift each other saints of God lift each other don't be selfish if you're expecting something share it pass it on
1: my god